Welcome to Sunday Homilies with me, Father Mike Schmitz. I hope today's homily inspires and motivates you. And I also hope that it leaves you hungry for the one who gave everything to feed you. If you want to get this and other Sunday Mass resources sent straight to your inbox, sign up at ascensionpress.com Sunday or by texting Sunday to 33777. You can also follow or subscribe in your podcast app for weekly notifications. God bless. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Chapter 9, verses 36 through chapter 10, verse 8. At the sight of the crowds, Jesus' heart was moved with pity for them because they were troubled and abandoned, like a sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Then he summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out, to cure every disease and every illness. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon from Cana, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Jesus sent out these twelve after instructing them thus, Do not go into pagan territory or enter a Samaritan town. Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, make this proclamation. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, drive out demons. Without cost you have received, without cost you are to give. The Gospel of the Lord. So I didn't mention this at the beginning of Mass, but uh, today is Father's Day. And it's one of those things where I'm like, it's not like, how do I say this? I don't often talk about civic holidays, you know, as part of, uh, it, just, it just seemed to fit though. Um, as I was praying with these, these readings and praying about the, the fact that today is Father's Day, um, here's Jesus and it says, he saw the crowds, right? They were troubled and abandoned. His heart was moved with pity for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And um, if you know anything about, uh, there's these, there's some theories about like the, the, the four male archetypes. And so when it comes to men, the four male, four male archetypes are a uh, man as the lover, uh, a man as the warrior, man as the sage, and also a man as the king. And as the king, we recognize that from the Old Testament, you have, you have David who's the king, but he doesn't start out as a king. He starts out as a shepherd. And in so many ways, the role of the father is, is of a family. He's like the role of a shepherd in a family. And so I just, and also just, again, again, don't talk about civic holiday things too often, but just coming back to this, this, the role of fathers, like even in fact, we say it like this, the need for fathers in our culture, in our families, in our, in our, in our world, there's a, there is a real need. We, we, we need men. Of course, we need women, we need fathers and mothers. It's, you know, the question is not to diminish one at the, at the, the raising up of the other, but you know, there's so much confusion in our culture, so much confusion in our world over what is it to be a woman? What is it to be a man? And so we recognize, yes, we absolutely need moms. 100% we need moms. And so they, moms, obviously need to be built up and supported as well. Women need to know what, what, what is it to be a woman. Men need to know what is it to be a man because we need each other. Raising children needs both moms and dads. I was listening or uh, reading something, actually. Uh, it was a pediatric psychologist um, who was, who's documenting, though, that yes, while moms and dads are both essential, they're essential pillars for the, the healthy and, and uh, emotional and well-being development of their children, fathers play a unique role. In fact, um, that for young girls, fathers offer, good fathers offer security and emotional support. In fact, that a father, a good father, will show his daughter 
what a good relationship should look like. So if he's a kind and generous, if he's just, if he's fair, if he's giving, if he's loving, a good father will show his daughter what a good relationship will look like. For boys, though, it's interesting. Like, unlike for daughters who they model their relationships with others based off of their father's relationship, young boys will model themselves after their father. The role of a father is just so important. We should, why, why is that important? We could, because we, we should want our boys to become as strong as possible. Let's just say it like that. We should want our young boys to become as strong as possible. Yes, our young, our young women too. But when it comes, I think, when it comes to the idea of like, okay, wait, you want your boys to be as strong as possible. You want your men to be as strong as possible. Isn't that dangerous? Because it brings up terms like, I'm sure a term that we've heard in the last number of years, term toxic masculinity. And like, isn't there a danger there that if you want young, you want your men in your culture really to be as strong as possible? That seems like a recipe for toxic masculinity. In fact, there's uh, even people who kind of embody this. In fact, I was asking before Mass if, if any, any people here had heard of a man named Andrew Tate. You might have heard of Andrew Tate. Andrew Tate, what is he? Um, he is a former MMA star slash entrepreneur slash influencer slash lifestyle guru slash, slash alpha male slash um, social media personality. Basically, um, he talks a lot about being the alpha, right? He talks a lot about like, here's what it is to be an alpha male. And, and this, it's almost a parody. It's almost a caricature of life because the idea of that he puts forward as like here's what it is to be the alpha is you need to if you need to drink this kind of whiskey you need to drive these kinds of cars you need to smoke these kinds of cigars you need to date or, or have sex with these kinds of women if you, this is the kind of person that you need to be if you're going to be the alpha what you need to do according to Andrew Tate what you need to do is you need to dominate like that's what the alpha does the alpha you know he asked the question you know <laughs> I had to do some research on this they had the question of uh, you know what do you do when you walk into a room you need to dominate when you walk into the room you need to figure out who here in this room is the alpha and it sounds so much like a parody so sounds so much like a caricature that it's it can't even be real but it is there are so many young boys young men are saying that's it that's what i need to be then i need to dominate on the other hand we have people say like i don't want that <laughs> like i that sounds like toxic masculinity i don't want toxic masculinity i want the opposite of that so i looked up in in like you know the the, the, the easy for me to say thesaurus uh, in the thesaurus like what is the opposite of toxic there's a couple of helpful words, but a couple of the first words that came up when it came to the opposite, the antonym for the word toxic is the word safe or the word helpless. I think, are those the only two options? Either you're toxic or you're safe. You're toxic or you're helpless. Either you're, you dominate or you're weak. There's a, a professor of uh, psychology named Dr. Leonard Sachs. He wrote a book years ago called Boys Adrift. And in it, he, he diagnosed this same problem. He said, what our culture offers, our culture offers young boys two alternatives, two visions of what it is to be a man. One is, he called him the slacker dude. The slacker dude is, is what we might call like the weakling. He's the passive person. He's not just kind of a nice guy. He's the person who um, like not only, you know, couldn't hurt a fly or wouldn't hurt a fly, but he couldn't hurt a fly. Like that, that kind of person who just like, they kind of waste their time playing video games, waste their strength uh, doing nothing much of anything, just kind of like, just hanging out. That's the slacker dude. That's, that's the, the safe, right? The, the harmless. The opposite vision that our world offers is what Dr. Leonard Sachs calls the brute or the bully. We would say that's the, the toxic, toxic masculine man, right? The person who just like, the tyrant, basically. And so these are the two images that our world gives young men. It says either you can be the weakling or the tyrant. You can either be the slacker dude or you can be the brute, the bully. One is strength that's feared and so it's unused. Strength that's wasted, it's, it's just not used. The other is strength that's spent on oneself. 
I'm the tyrant so I can get what I need. I dominate so I can get what I need. I am the brute so I get what I need. And the question is, which one, which image does Jesus put forth for us? Like, what's the image that Jesus wants for human beings, not just for men, but for all of us? And Jesus, you know, you think, well, Jesus want, would probably want the safer one. Jesus would want the, the gentler one, one, right? You know, Jesus, at one point, he describes himself and he says, come to me, for I am meek. In fact, the, the Beatitudes, Jesus says, blessed are the meek. So we think like maybe that's what it means. Maybe that's the slacker dude. Maybe that's the weak one. But here's the interesting thing. That term meek does not mean weak. In fact, I've heard it described like this, that uh, if you take a stallion, right? If you take a horse, that all the, all the power of the horse, all the strength of the horse, you would have to, you'd, what they call, you'd meek the horse. It doesn't mean you make the horse weak. It doesn't mean you take the horse's strength away. It doesn't mean you take the horse's power away. It means that to meek a horse means you harness all of the power, all of the strength. You harness all the potential of that creature and you bring it under the control at the service of others. Like that's what it is to meek a horse. You don't take the power away. You harness the power and bring it under control. It's why, it's why I always, whenever it comes to like, what is it to be an adult in this, in this, in our culture? I always come back to this image because we, we, we realize we don't have any real clear sense of here is when you become an adult. I mean, is it when you are 16 and you can drive? Is it when you can, you know, buy cigarettes or scratchy little lotto tickets at whatever, 18 or 21? Is it when you drink? Is it when you go off to college? What's the mark of adulthood? There's no clear mark of adulthood. In fact, I keep going back to this and I've said it many times. You've probably heard this is I look at pictures, photographs, or even movies of young men who went off to war in World War II. And they are younger than some of the men I work with here on campus. And I think, okay, what's the difference? I think the first marker of adulthood, and in this case, you know, we're talking about fathers and fathers, we're talking about men. The first marker of adulthood is a willingness to take responsibility for oneself. That's the first one. Just like a willingness to take responsibility for oneself. I'm no longer under my, under my mom's house, my parents' house. I'm no longer, they're taking care of me. I now, a marker of adulthood, is I'm now willing to take responsibility for myself. And another way I say it like this, I'm willing to develop my strength. I'm willing to develop my own competence. I'm taking responsibility for developing my own competence. I'm taking responsibility for developing my own strength. I'm becoming a man. But there's another level. There's another level of adulthood, another level that's just incredible. It takes responsibility for others. And that's the difference between becoming a man, I take responsibility for myself, and becoming a father, becoming a shepherd. I'm willing to take responsibility for someone else. So the first step of becoming a a man, becoming an adult, is I'm going to develop my competence. Becoming a father is I'm going to use my competence for others. Is that being alpha? I don't, that's a good question. You know, even that that term alpha male, you probably have heard this already, but the term alpha male came from uh, some scientists who were studying wolves that were in, in captivity, essentially. And they said they noticed that the, the, the wolves that kind of dominated, they would call them the alpha. There was an alpha female, an alpha male, and then all the others, you know, beta and after, after that. Turns out that in subsequent studies, subsequent research have, have actually studied primates and wolves and other animals in the wild. And the alpha of the pack, the alpha of the group of, of primates, of gorillas or of any other kind of, they weren't the ones who just dominated. They weren't the ones who just took whatever they wanted. It was almost the opposite. The alpha male of the group was the one who took care of the others. The alpha male, actually in the wild, the alpha male was the one who, who served, the one who made sure everyone had food, the one who made sure everyone had protection, the one who made sure everyone had shelter. In fact, I remember a psychologist describing this and saying that women aren't attracted. This is for the guys like who are like, I want to be alpha. Why? Because I want to be the, be the one who gets the girls. 
Women aren't attracted to that dominant personality. They aren't attracted to the alpha. What they're attracted to is what he called competent generosity. And this is what marked the alpha, the actual alpha, in those groups of primates and those groups of wolves. It was competent generosity. Not the slacker dude and not the brute, but what you might call the shepherd, what you might call the father, who might have to fight. Yes, absolutely might have to fight. But you know, the primary, primary task of the shepherd, the primary task is not fighting. The primary task is taking care of the sheep. The primary task of the father is not going to battle. The primary task of the father is, okay, I have to make sure these people are fed and, and guided and kept safe and raised. And because of that, you have to know how to fight. Because of that, you have to be willing to fight. But that's merely at the service of the sheep, right? That's merely at the service of those kids. It's not for his own glory or bravado or sense of self. And that's the, that's the crazy thing is because if that's what a man is going to be, again, on this Father's Day, and I know so many of these fathers who are you're praying with us today, that, that that is who you aspire to be, then, and maybe you already even are those people, what you're going to face is you're going to face at least three different dangers, three, three different attacks. And the, those attacks are the, being the immature father, the hypocritical father or the impotent father. We could just say it as easily, the immature shepherd, the hypocritical shepherd, or the impotent shepherd. Because the Im- immature, what's the immature father? One of the, one of the signs, one of the markers of the immature father is the father who only takes interest in his children as long as they entertain him. Yeah, they love playing with the kids, but as long as their entertainment value runs out, then his interest runs out. Only so long as, as they're interested in what the father's interested in, then he'll be interested in them. And I think we, we all know shepherds like this, right? We all know fathers like this. We all know people like this. And we know they're opposite. That's the big danger. That's the big temptation. That's the big trap so many fathers can fall in, into as immature fathers is, I'm only taking interest in my kids as long as they entertain me or as long as they're interested in what I am interested in, as long as they serve me. And the mature father, has his, his life is marked with, he easily encourages his kids. The mature father will, will, will stand alongside his children. The, the mature father will discipline his children and show them the way. The, the mature father will embody the rules that he himself imposes, which is the second danger of trying to, trying to be a good shepherd or trying to be a good dad, is the danger of hypocrisy. Right? Because a mature father will embody the rules that he himself imposes but we all know this. We, every dad knows that this is the danger. Every dad knows that hypocrisy is, is, the, is the trap because he knows that he himself is not the man he wants to be. Every dad, every dad here on this Father's Day, everyone, every man knows that he is not himself yet the man he wants his sons to be. He's not the person he wants his children to be. And then he knows that someday they're going to find this out. At, at some point, they're going to discover that I am not the person, I'm not as good as I want them to be. I'm not as brave as I want them to be. I'm not as honest as I want them to be. I, I'm not as holy as I want them to be. And I think, you know, sometimes, like, sometimes it seems like part of adolescence seems to be the realization that dad doesn't live up to the ideals that he set for the rest of us. In that moment, the shepherd, in that moment, the father can't let that stop him. Why? Because his kids still need shepherds because this world still needs shepherds because kids still need a dad. Kids still need moms and dads who are willing to say, Here is, here's how you can be better than me. I, I, I shared this before, you know, because all, we'll all fail. Like, we'll, that's not the point. The point isn't being perfect moms or perfect dads. The point isn't being perfect Christians or perfect shepherds. The point is I want my children to be better than I am. 
I know I've shared this before, but um, uh, all, every one of my siblings and I, we were on the swim team ever since we were about six years old. We had to be. We, it wasn't just swim lessons. We had swim lessons as little, little kids, but my mom made us. It was, it was a, not a matter of this is not an option. This is something you're going to do. You're going to be on the swim team for a couple of years, in fact. And, and the reason why is because my mom knows how to swim. She, she took swim lessons, but my mom is afraid of the water. She, I remember she signed up for a, a triathlon at one point. It, was, it wasn't a very long swim, maybe like a 500 meter swim in a lake. And she trained and trained and trained and, and she actually didn't complete the race because she, she was out in the lake and she just got scared and, and panicked, all the waves and all everything coming against her. And she panicked and she didn't finish. And my mom put us all in swim team because she said, I don't want my kids to be afraid in the way that I'm afraid. I want my kids to be better than I am. See, the, the, the traps, the danger of, of being immature and, and not embodying the rules that you impose and the danger of being a hypocrite and saying like, actually don't live up to the thing I want you to live up to, that can't stop us because if it's actually not about ourselves or it's about the kids, then we still have to say, no, I want you to be better than I am. And it's worth pushing for, it's worth setting that up and worth giving your kids a chance to be better than you. I think that's what a mature parent does. I think that's what a mature father does. I think that's what a mature shepherd does. That's the first two dangers, right? Being immature and hypocrite. The, the, the third danger is being an impotent father, an impotent shepherd. What does that mean? Well, first Peter, uh, St. Peter writing to the Christians and he's saying, listen, he says, he says, your opponent, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So resist him solid in your faith. There's an attack. Like basically, if you're going to be a shepherd, your opponent, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. If you're going to be a father, a parent, if you're going to be a Christian in this world, your opponent, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So resist him solid in your faith. Years ago, I had a buddy who shared this with me. He was he was watching some kind of Nat Geographic, National Geographic TV show or whatever, you know, documentary on the life of lions. And he was talking about how in this pride of lions, there is the, the young young male lions and at some point the young male lions are going to they're going to test themselves they're going to they're going to try to be the leader of the pack leader of the pride so these male lions would fight against each other and the commentator noticed this this he said note this note that these young lions they're not trying to kill the other one they're not going for the face to try to disfigure the other lion they're not going for the jugular to try to kill the lion what they're trying to do is they're trying to actually castrate the other lion they're going for the genitals of the other lion and that just struck me as so interesting why why would they have to do that? Why, why wouldn't they just try to kill him? Well, the reality is one lion knows. They both, they both know that if I can render the, under, the other lion impotent, he's no longer a threat. If I can take away his power to generate, he's no longer a threat. If I can castrate this other lion and make him powerless, he's no longer a threat. And think about this. This is how Satan works. This is how Satan works in the lives of so many human beings, but in the lives of so many men. This is absolutely so important. One of the reasons why fathers have not been the fathers they're called to be is because of what we know is this is, is, a, is a plague, it's an epidemic, it's, a pen, it's the plague of pornography. And what that does, essentially, it, it promises this, this illusion of potency, right? It promises this illusion of attractiveness, this illusion of generation, but it just renders a person impotent, powerless. It doesn't have to be pornography. It could be anything. It could be the dad who spends his life on his hobbies. It could be the shepherd who spends his time on himself. It could be the Christian who, rather than taking this, this power, this strength, this competence, and placing it at the service of others, just turns it in on himself and simply uses it to bless himself, so to speak. 
So these three traps, these three dangers, immature fatherhood or shepherd, shepherding, hypocritical fatherhood or shepherding, and impotent fathering or shepherding. There's a way out of this. And of course, it always goes back to looking to Jesus. Not only the way out of it goes back to looking to Jesus and say, okay, Jesus who calls us to be meek. Again, not to be weak, but to harness that strength, not to waste our strength on ourselves, not to fear it, not to use our strength for ourselves, but to place our strength at the service of others. There is a power Again, on this Father's Day, moms, you're so wanted, you're so needed. Single people, yes, we need you absolutely as well. But fathers, we absolutely need fathers to be fathers, to be shepherds, to bless your children. And this is the last thing, the power of a father's blessing. Years ago, I had the chance to sit down. I've shared this before. I had the chance to sit down with an exorcist. And he got, he just, uh, it was over lunch at one point. He just let me ask whatever questions I wanted to ask about his, his life as an exorcist. And I was asking about different cases. And at one point, he talked about the, the case of this one young woman. She's maybe 20 or 21 years old. What happened was um, the exorcism was taking a longer time because her father had consecrated her to Satan in the womb or from a young age. And so as she's being delivered, her father, who she didn't have any contact with, he was repeatedly cursing her from afar. Essentially, he was repeatedly calling upon Satan in some way, I'm not sure how this works, but calling upon Satan to curse his own daughter from afar. He had no contact with her. And so as often as they would free her more and more and heal her more and more in the rite of exorcism, it was slow going because of this repeated curse. Now on the sidebar, she was gaining more and more freedom, more and more healing. They showed the priest who was telling me the story, showed him a picture of her father. It was only like six months apart, but the, his, his, his physical demeanor was, was radically changed, like from, from when he began cursing to when he was there was cursing. In six months, his, his, his health, his appearance had radically transformed and he was emaciated. He looked tortured because <laughs> I asked the priest why. And he said, oh, because Satan doesn't like being bossed around. Satan is the father of lies. He's, he's pride itself. And so like, uh, he didn't say he's pride himself. I just said that. He's very full of pride. He said, he doesn't want to be told what to do. He's being sent to curse this, this girl. She's being driven back by the power of Jesus Christ. It was tormenting the guy. Yeah, sidebar. So anyways, I'm talking to this priest and I say, wait, that's the power of a father's curse. So what about the power of a father's blessing? And he looked at me across the table and he was like, oh no. He said, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. The power of a father's blessing. You might be a father who you're with your kids right now and you can just bless them literally by laying your hands, your hands on their head and just say, God bless you, bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. You might be a father who has very limited or no contact with your kids, but again, you can still pray for them and say, God, I ask you to please bless my children in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and the power of your Holy Spirit. The power of a father's blessing will undo that immature fatherhood. The power of a father's blessing can undo the hypocrisy. Sometimes we don't live up to being the shepherds or the people that we're called to be. The power of a father's blessing is a way to not walk in impotence, but to walk in power because you have the Holy Spirit of God inside of you. And Jesus, I believe, Jesus looks at our culture right now and he sees all these sons and daughters, all of them, so many of them lost, so many of them fatherless, so many of them without someone to shepherd them. Now, your kids might be fully grown, but you're still their dad. I believe Jesus looks at our world and says, not just we need fathers, not just we need shepherds, not just we need priests, those people who serve all these roles, but Jesus looks at this world and he says, I need you. Moms, I need you to strengthen those men so they can be good fathers. Wives, I need you to love your husbands so they can be good fathers. Kids, I need you to take care, take care of your dad, lift him up 
so he can be a good father. Grandfathers, look to your sons so they can be good fathers. We need moms and dads. We need brothers and sisters. We need the family. But on this day, we're reminded of the fact that Jesus looks out at this world that is troubled and distressed, like sheep without a shepherd, and reminds us how greatly we need competent generosity, men who are willing to put their strength at the service of others, how much we need dads.